Mediated Conversation on SAFM. It is 25 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to the Mediated Conversation here on SAFM. My name is Oliver Dixon. It's an honor and a pleasure to be in your company. 15 people have died in Hamanskral as a result of a cholera outbreak uh, in the water system in Hamanskral. Very specifically, it is a case that could have been prevented. What is at the center of this? We have learned that, uh, that unchlorinated water has been pumped out to the community and unchlorinated water has been made accessible to the community via Jojo tanks. What does that mean? It means that the water was cleaned but not purified with chlorine, uh, which results in contaminants uh, still being able to uh, persist in the water, and that brings about waterborne diseases, cholera, which is one of those. In 2023, I would not have imagined that we would have a cholera outbreak in South Africa, the free state facing uh, a similar pattern of waterborne diseases outbreak over there. We're going to start the mediated conversation with the Deputy Minister of Water and Sanitation, David Matlobo. Minister, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have the scientific question with uh, conversation with you first before I have the governance uh, question with you first, because you're a water scientist. You know about these things. What went wrong at a operational level uh, in 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 Hamanskral that is of concern to you at a national level? Thank you very much, Oliver, and to and to all your listeners um, um, here at home and to other areas of my trade. Firstly, the wastewater treatment plant uh, in an area um, of uh, the city of Swan, in terms of the design capacity. Is designed to treat an effluent. Um, the latest time I check the numbers, it's just above uh, a, a hundred, a hundred megaliters per day, which is about a hundred million liters. But uh, what happened is that uh, when the municipality's population grew and there was development, the amount of effluent that gets pumped into that particular plant is more than 170 megaliters, between 150 to 170 megaliters per day. In other words, technically, we are talking the system. You will have a problem. It's like driving a Ferrari on a gravel road, and you think that the best car will be able to to travel that particular road. Secondly, at an operational level, now that because the system is clogged, there is a, a point uh, uh, where you have your primary second tank and the secondary second tank, there are aerators. The aerators would allow you to have uh, oxygen coming in so that if there are bacteria and other things, they will break down them, which is an oxidation. That, the issues of that plant had dysfunctionality because there are four aerators that carries about um, uh, probably more than 40 megaliters each, those four chambers. And uh, there was no dissolved oxygen that was coming in. And they had to attend to that part, which was the biggest part. Then the last part, the final effluent, when it was supposed to go out, uh, after the secondary uh, circling tanks and so forth, then the chlorination system was dysfunctional at a particular point when the portfolio committee went there. That has been the problem in terms of that. Then, the, in other ways, they were discharging effluent that is, partially treated, not meeting the license condition in terms of discharge of water back into the water course. Then that particular water will then get into 
uh, what you call an Abyss River. Down in the Abyss River, they do have a small dam. It's called Leocral Dam. That Leocral Dam is the dam in which the municipality then throws the water. That must go to the treatment plant, which is a, a treatment plant that has been upgraded to a proper capacity to treat that water. Ultimately, when they treat that water because uh, is already highly polluted. That plant, in terms of design capacity, is unable to reduce, especially ammonia that must be dirty and reduced into a nitric acid. It gives us nitrate. But those nitrates, you could see that certain elements, um, they are there if they are ingested by children yeah. who are normally proceeding. They will have some gastrointestinal problems. But the E. coli itself, the levels are very high. That was a, that was a statement. But when was this determined, happen. Minister, uh, Deputy Minister? Yes, Oliver. When was this determined? You know, these problems uh, were determined long, long time ago. But even when we came in, because remember, I came in 2019 when we were still the Department of Water and Human Settlement at the same time, and ultimately the municipality. Uh, was actually disputing that their water is polluted. And then our department had to bring in the CSIR and where they did those uh, water samples. CSIR is very well renowned. It's the best center we have beyond South Africa in terms of those results. And ultimately, we were able to make them to admit uh, that the water is polluted. That's when uh, we, uh, my personal involvement from 2019 but I know that successive governments... On uh, what uh, basis, and I know you don't speak for the municipality, uh, so apologies for this, but on what basis did the city d- uh, deny that their water was polluted? Well, at a time uh, when that incident happened, because I was there, you could see that the guys in the technical division, they were misinforming the politicians. They were misinforming the politicians because on the spot we had to conduct the test ourselves. There was a confirmation when I could demonstrate to them that indeed, uh, the, in terms of uh, the minimum standard in terms of suns, these are the, the, the quantities that must be in water, whether is it uh, iron, okay. nitrogen, and, and so forth. That's when they started to, to admit around 2020 that indeed. So since 2020, we've known that the water is polluted and contaminated. Surely then, at that point, Minister, a special intervention would have had to be made to have prevented the lives of these 15 people from uh, being taken by polluted water. What did the national government do by means of interventions uh, to ensure that this doesn't happen? Immediately after that, we sat down with the municipality. We agreed on a, a comprehensive remedial action plan that comprehensive remedial action plan included in the short term how will those communities will be able to get water we agreed that the line from uh, mahalis and Rendota will be able to be used to provide water to those communities but we then said we're going to support the municipality because they were struggling with the issues of raising the enough capital that then teaches at the time they met with the then MMs at the time. Then there was an agreement that uh, DBSA was going to be involved. They got involved. A business plan was written, submitted to Parliament, and Parliament was very happy with that particular plan. Guess what? The municipality decided to default. They decided not to cooperate. 
Immediately, they never wanted to cooperate. We issued them with directives, which are instruction in the law, that uh, your water continues to be polluted, it's causing problems, it will have risk. Then you had these issues of instability, both in the administration in Swana and politically in terms of governance. Ultimately, those mayors at the time, they couldn't cooperate with us. Like when the province of Gauteng wanted to intervene, because of the dysfunctionality of the municipality, putting them under Section 139. You remember that, Oliver, then what happened? They went to court. The court ruled in the favor of the administration at the time that counting had not followed the proper processes in terms of putting the municipality under administration. So At the time of the default, Deputy Minister, should the department and the minister not have taken the water affairs of the city of Tuane under administration, again, to prevent people from ultimately dying, which you scientifically know were to be the case if people continued to drink uh, contaminated water? What what you do, Oliver, in South Africa, where a constitutional democracy follows certain processes, there is a a proof of a number of letters we wrote including to those that municipality that we want to intervene, supporting them in terms of uh, taking over because they are unable to discharge their function. We even wrote to the provincial government to say, please put this municipality again under 139 because the precursor for intervention, the municipality must be under administration. Ultimately, when they refused to cooperate with us, we even took them to court because we're not going to be sitting there idly. And then when we went to court, the then administration was opposing our takeover, and they ultimately there were changes politically. Only last week, the mayor requested an, an intervention from the minister. They met on Wednesday, agreed that the old plan that we had, and agreed, must be reviewed in the current condition, assigned the mayor MMM and our DG, so that we can be able even to unlock funding. But a council resolution must be taken that the municipality agrees now that we must intervene, which the mayor is very amenable. But because of our previous experience, this agreement that the minister and the mayor must conclude in the next few, few days, it will become a declaratory order of the court because we don't want any reneging in the past. This incident that has happened, indeed, we are correct. It could have been avoided. So what happens now? What happens today? What happened today, yesterday, remember, one of the things we made a decision was to undertake an investigation in the correct uh, uh, areas where we suspect that uh, they might be the source of uh, contamination. Water samples have been taken, they are going to the left, and further investigation must be done so that those results must be announced and dealt with the issues. But while we are doing the investigation, people don't have water. And if they don't have water, Corella might uh, continue to actually have more numbers increasing. In the meantime, yesterday we were to secure that the municipality, supported by ourselves, working with our water boards, must provide water in the interim. And they've increased the provision of water through water cutting. But the points where the water is, uh, is being abstracted to the community, personnel was there on site to guarantee that indeed all the standard operating procedures and the quality they are good and we've instructed them that they must have a schedule of these tankers because sometimes they are inconsistent yeah. and some kind of naughty business people that might not be handling the water well and one might even suspect that some of them because the water that they take it from rainwater and they are taking it from mahalis 
they might not be all of them going there. They might be going to yeah. this timber plant that is polluted. That yeah. investigation will do that. But people are getting water. Our teams are on the ground today even to monitor that there is a consistent supply and no further okay. interruptions there. Deputy Minister, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I really, really do appreciate it. Zamantunga Mbeki, I want to bring you into the conversation. Zamantunga Mbeki is the acting Kauteng Provincial Manager at the South African Human Rights Commission. This is a colossal failure of human rights. Surely somebody needs to be held culpable, criminally culpable uh, for what has happened here, Zamantunga. Good morning, Oliver. Um, definitely, I agree with uh, what you said earlier on in terms of <clears throat> the fact that this is something that was known. Um, even the commission's report issued in 2021 um, was very uh, raised these concerns about the quality of water, the lack of maintenance of the wastewater treatment systems in um, in Hammerskrau, um, and reflect this as a very um, as a very very serious problem. But you are not the only institution to do so. Yeah. Uh, where, where does the blame fall? From from the view of the commission having previously been involved in investigating this uh, and <coughs> the people now having been died, having died, 15 people and counting. You know, I had a caller on the show last night who said to me, uh, Oliver, it's 15 that you know of, right? There's more uh, that will come. As community members, we know more people who have died whose deaths have not yet been declared. Um, it, it, Who's to be held liable? I'm not sure. Um, it's a very difficult one to answer right now. As the Deputy Minister had said, um, there are a number of stakeholders who are involved um, who are involved in uh, in this issue of water in Hammanskral. It's the Department of Water and Sanitation. It's the uh, City of Tswane. Um, to some extent, also um, Costa, if you think of the lack of uh, cohesion or the yeah. lack of uh, synergy between all of the dep- different departments who are supposed to work to provide um, to provide water in that area. Um, there's governance and governance issues in um, in the in the respective um, in, uh, in the respective municipality, but not only in Gauteng. Now we're getting um, information about Free State and and, and other yeah. provinces as well. So it's it's a really it's a huge 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 problem. Um, right now, the most important thing is that um, we make sure that um, everybody is receiving water, um, clean water, and that there are temporary measures that are being put in place and that the hospital is able to provide treatment for all of those who need the treatment. But um, after that, we must ask ourselves, when there's so much information available um, on Hammerskrau, private and public studies, are being done on the water quality and lack of maintenance of of the wastewater treatment system. How did we end up here? Yeah, that really is a part of the important question here. Uh, Is the South African Human Rights Commission looking to investigate certain individuals, certain decision makers, uh, and perhaps with with, uh, the outcome of a report, encourage for them to be held civilly and criminally liable uh, in, in, in whatever capacity they may have been investigated in? Yes, um, I think at the moment what we, we are currently doing um, as the uh, housing provincial office is looking at the, t- at the short term. We want to. We are going there into Hammerskrau right now just to make sure that there are the the there's water at the uh, at the um, at that level, yeah. and then after that, then that has to be the investigation that we look into. We have to say 
these were the recommendations that we had. We are inundated with also complaints from members of the community crying, saying we have been going um, to City of Tuana, we've been crying to respective municipalities. So those complaints that we are receiving, we have to investigate in line with what you are asking, because at the end of the day, somebody has to um, has to be held accountable, yeah. and that could be anybody. We can't say who it is now, because as you heard from the minister, it's different jurisdictional issues um, that exist with this problem in Hanuman's Kral. And we would hope that at least one department would say, okay, we are coming forward. We are the ones um, that are going to take responsibility for this. Yeah. Zamandunga, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really, really do appreciate it. Zamandunga Mbeki is the acting Gauteng Provincial Manager at the South African Human Rights Commission. What are your thoughts on that? We're going to continue the conversation on the other side of that with Aisha Lather, who's an environmental scientist and a water scientist. Uh, I'm taking your reactions to that. Tweet me. It is at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter. Uh, We're taking your traffic. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. You're listening to The Mediated Conversation. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of your company. Aisha Lather is a water scientist. She joins us this morning on The Mediated Conversation. Uh, the cholera outbreak in Hamas Ground really has been devastating. But the real fear that I sit with right now is this that this may not be the end of it, that we may see this in other parts of the country. We're now seeing it in Free State. No deaths yet having been reported in the Free State, but certainly waterborne diseases outbreak in the Free State have happened just how poor is our national our water infrastructure on a national basis that makes it susceptible to contamination uh, that can result in 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 waterborne diseases aisha morning oliver thanks for putting me on the show um i'm not a politician i'm really a scientist so i will just report on the scientific facts around these cases um, when we talk about this emotive issues, we're talking about two different issues. Uh, the first topic that you spoke about was about the water quality in Hammond's the tap water, the contamination of the rivers with the, with, with the wastewater treatment works, and that causes certain problems um, in, the water treatment, in, in the water that's delivered to Hammond's That is the whole Hammond's issue. The issue of cholera, um, cholera is normally transmitted from one person to an, another, usually by the feces of contaminated uh, people. Um, so if you have cholera, that's how you're going to, contem- you're going to transmit it, uh, with contact, hand-by-hand contact, or by water, whatever, that's contaminated yeah. by the feces of a person that's sick. So we need to understand which one are we talking about. The cholera, which seems to be now endemic in many areas, which seems to be rising up, in many areas in South Africa, not just Swane, uh, we're talking about Paris and the Free State, etc. Um, obviously, it's worrying. So, we, what is the source of that cholera? If the cholera is coming from our rivers, then we need to have measures in place to protect the rivers and to clean the rivers. Uh, but if, if it's coming from tap water, then we need to focus on the water treatment works because that is the that is the area of ingestion and the source of the contamination. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important for us to understand where is the cholera coming from, that there must be con- tests done on all the tap water to confirm if it's the tap water, and then you can obviously issue boil water notices. Yeah. Or uh, tell people to, to, to yeah to, to boil the water before they drink it. How easy is it to determine the source of contamination? Um, look, municipalities are required to test their water on a monthly, even actually on a weekly basis for E. coli, which is your bacteria. So they can they can also the the cholera is not a requirement under the the current sense two for one. You don't have to monitor for cholera, but you do monitor for E. coli, which gives you an indication that there's bacterial growth 
That means it will also pick up that there is anything growing, living, like a cholera. That is not a test currently required by municipalities for tap water because you wouldn't expect to find cholera in treated water that has been disinfected and been through a treatment process. However, if we make the assumption that treatment plants are failing, therefore the cholera is getting through the treatment plant, there's lack of disinfection, it would be in the, treat, in, in the final water. Then municipalities can conduct a test. It's not a difficult test, it's not a complicated test. Um, they can appoint an accredited laboratory to do the test for cholera, and they can do that on a regular basis to ensure that there is no cholera in the tap water. Yeah, so they're not legally required to test for cholera, but you argue that give, if, if you know that your water treatment plants are vulnerable and perhaps susceptible to contamination due to compromise, that you should then, in fact, test for cholera. You should, but remember there's other tests that are required as well. So all over the world, you know, there's a basic test that you do with E. coli. So E. coli is one of the parasites that you find in water, but it's the most commonly used indicator that there is pathogenic bacteria from feces in your water. Uh, that you, If you use it as an indicator organism, you know that there's stuff in your water and it's not safe to drink. So that's why it's used worldwide to check if there is pathogens in the water, that is the indicator. So obviously if you've got E. coli in your water, there is a possibility that it's not only cholera, there can be viruses, there can be protozoans, there can be all kinds of other stuff that are in the water as well because you've got this indicator organism that's in there. Yeah. Uh, would you advise, Aisha, that given the outbreak in uh, Tswane and in Free State, you, are, you also say that there's outbreaks in many other parts of the country, would you advise that every municipality in water treatment operation now, today, test for cholera? I, I, I can't say that they must test for cholera, but I think they understand that the risk associated with it, and it would be an idea. If you have a cholera outbreak in your area, then possibly to, to, to monitor for the cholera as well. Look, all of the monitoring that a municipality is supposed to do is outlined in the sense two for one, but that document tells a municipality it must be a risk-based monitoring program. So in other words, you evaluate your risks of your water, you monitor what is the basic requirements, which is E. coli, etc., to tell you if there's stuff growing, if there's things that are alive in your water. But you can also do a risk-based, you must take a risk-based approach. So if you know there's cholera endemic in your area, you must amend your monitoring program and add that to it because it suddenly become a problem. It's the same thing like suddenly we found iron in the water. So, okay, we need to add iron in our monitoring program because this is the risk-based approach. And that approach is outlined in the sense two for one, the National Drinking Water Quality Standard, which all municipalities must adhere to in their monitoring program. So if they do that, they would think, okay, I've got cholera. I need to now add that to my monitoring program. Yeah. Sorry, and just finally, um, again, as, as, as a water scientist, how prevalent are these sort of outbreaks from the data that we have in the South African context? Um, so I can't I can't evaluate and, and, and comment on that because remember the, the cholera data is released by the Department of Health. So we don't know, there isn't like a hotspot place where you can go and find, okay, there was so many cases in this area or that area. It's, all, it's, it's the Department of Health. As, as water scientists, we look at the Department of Water and Sanitation's website, which gives the water quality data. And by looking at that alone, which is, and that data is updated monthly, you can go to any municipality in South Africa and see the final water is, has got microbiological compliance. Now, if I see that there is no microbiological compliance at the particular municipality, I will not drink the tap water because that means there are pathogens, there are bacteria that are in the water. If 
I equate that to cholera, I'm going to say, okay, they've got other bacteria living in the water that yeah. the water is not disinfected. They would, there's a possibility of cholera in the water as well because Absolutely. we've heard about it, and I would not drink that water. I would boil that water. Are so that sure? website on the department is very important. Yeah. People should consult it and look at it because it is very sad that in today's days we have people that have died because of poor water quality. Aisha, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. From myself and the team that brings us to the end of the show, thank you so much for another fruitful engagement. Catch me tonight on SAFM Night Talk at 10 p.m. Set your alarms. It's going to be fun and fantastic. We're going to have important conversations of national importance. I will be back with you with the team uh, on SAFM Sunrise tomorrow morning for an outside broadcast live from the city of Cape Town. Goodbye.